Hi, everyone. Welcome to Better by Association, an original podcast produced by the Texas Society of Association Executives. I'm your co-host, Katie Marker, Marketing and Communications Director with TSAE. And I'm your other co-host, Stephen Stout, Executive Director with TSAE. So, Katie, this is episode four into our first season. Number four. And I'm thrilled about what we're talking about today. All things membership. Yes, memberships really are at the heart of almost every association and something all of us are really trying to navigate right now from engagement to retention to pricing to bringing in the next generation. We're going to try and talk about it all. So, Katie, can you name something you maybe paid an actual membership fee to? I currently pay membership fees to my gym and also our local wine club. Do those count? Absolutely, those count. Probably the most embarrassing thing I paid a membership fee for was in high school at the tanning salon. Yikes. Ooh. And uh, my skin is still paying for it. <laughs> but what about you, Steven? Speaking of high school, for me, it was my Blockbuster video membership card. Because I remember that being very pride filled with that because it, I, it was the first membership that I'd bought that my parents were not on. I bought it with my Joe's Crab Shack table waiting wages. And I felt very prideful <laughs> of my Blockbuster video. And I remember going in there on a Friday night and running to read the latest movie release only to find out they were all gone. <laughs> they were checked out. And that was where all the people saw each other in high school night, Friday nights. It was it was really great. But And I always kept that card really close to me. Like someone one day was going to be, does anyone have a Blockbuster video card? And I'm like, I do. I am ready. What do you need? So I I remember those fondly, the Blockbuster video cards. I love it. Well, memberships certainly have changed over the years, and we brought in one of my favorite thought leaders on the topic. Kathy Height has more than 25 years experience in the association industry. She is passionate about helping member-based organizations evolve and thrive. Considered a membership guru, Kathy is a developer of the Membership Retention Kit and a new approach to tiered membership. She helps associations meet the changing expectations of members and to effectively communicate the value of membership. And this is interesting. Kathy's top five strength finder talents are strategic, maximizer, significance, focus, and deliberate. And she leverages these talents to facilitate scenario and strategic planning and developing foresight for board of directors and implementing strategic recruitment and retention initiatives for associations of all size and industry. Kathy is a frequent speaker for national and regional associations, including the Great Ideas event for the American Society of Association Executives, Association of Chamber of Commerce Executives Conventions, and state conferences. She has been an instructor for the U.S. Chamber of Commerce's Institute for Organization Management since 2004. Kathy is a member of ASAE, ACCE, and of course, our member at TSAE. Yay! But before we get into it, we want to say a special thank you to our episode four sponsor, Visit College Station. Yes, thanks to Visit College Station for supporting this podcast episode. We hosted our Women's Summit in College Station earlier this year and had a wonderful experience there, and we are truly grateful for their partnership. So, Kathy, welcome to Better by Association, TSC's podcast. We're so thrilled to have you with us today, and we get an entire moment to talk to you about membership, and we're really thrilled you're here with us today. Yes, thank you, Kathy. Oh, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. Thanks for asking. So we're going to jump right in and not waste any time because I feel like we're going to fill the time so much today with all of your little nuggets of wisdom. So to kick us off, we always ask the same question to every one of our guests. And this stems from a lot of us when we talk to people who's in association space or 
supporting the association space, we always hear, oh, I fell into this. I didn't go to school for this. I knew someone in the space already, so they kind of talked me into it. That's sort of people's fallen story. And so we want to ask you, what is your fallen story? How did you fall into this industry and your current role? Okay, well, <laughs> two different things. How did I first get into the industry? I was in banking before that, and I had also had a long career of sales and marketing, working for um, like Dole Pineapple, and I was sales and marketing manager for them, and then also oh, yum. for Dean Foods. Yeah, but it's not—it's no fun doing uh, perishables because, um, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, they do definitely have a shelf life on them. And I was talking to my then boyfriend. And this is in Honolulu, Hawaii, of course, because that's where Dole is. And he said, hey, do you know anybody who wants to work for the state chamber? I had no idea what they did. Sure. And um, and I said, well, like, what's what's the job? And he said, well, the executive assistant is retiring. And I didn't want to be an executive assistant. And I said, well, what's the pay range? And he told me what this lady was making, which was, I'll tell you, it was like $15,000 more than what I was making. Ow. And I thought, you know, I was a single mom and I thought, yeah. gosh, you know, even if I even if I didn't get all of that, but, you know, that would certainly be a bump up from where we were. So I asked him the name of the president and I was mulling it over because I knew I didn't want that job, but it was just sort of intrigued. So I called and when they answered the phone, I said, may I speak to Paul? And I guess I didn't realize it because I just used his first name that they thought I knew him. And they just put me right through his office. And once wow. I got there, I realized this almost never happened, right? Yeah, so that's a great tactic, too. Great advice. Yeah. Again, you want to reach the chief decision maker, just ask for the first name. First name only. <laughs> first name only. Yeah, you're on a first name basis with this person. So he said, this is Paul. And I was like, well, I want to know more about the position that's going to be available. And he said, oh, I don't need an executive assistant. I'm thinking about revamping that role. But I don't know what it's going to be, so I don't really have a whole lot to tell you. And I remember in my head thinking, okay, just say thank you and hang up. But I didn't. <laughs> I don't know. I felt really bold. And I was in the bank, right? So there's no one around. I worked in the training department. So I said, well, I think it warrants at least a cup of coffee with me. And what did you just, do? Good for yeah, you. Yeah, he was, he was quiet. I think he was a little stunned by that. Sure. And he said... uh, Okay, Thursday at three, you know, we're, we're located. And, and I didn't, but I said, sure, I'll be there. And after I hung up, I thought, how am I going to get off work at three yeah. o'clock, right? So I can get off till five. I can't remember the excuse, but I was there. And he brought me into his office and he said, well, like I said, I'm going to totally revamp this role. And I said, well, what is it that you're, you're really looking for? And he said, you know, I do everything myself. I don't really need an executive assistant. I think what I really need is a right hand person. Oh. And he said, I'm just really, really busy. And I just, you know, feel like there's a whole lot that needs to be done. And I said, well, you have a job description. And he said, yes. And I said, you do everything on it. He goes, no, I, I don't have time. And I said, so if you just sat down and thought about all the things that you thought you should be doing, right, or you want to do, then everything else could be start of the other position. And he said, no, that's a great idea. But that would mean the person would have to be a jack of all trades. Is that you? And I said, yeah, I, I love a variety. I'm pretty good at a lot of things. And he said, okay, well, you know, that, that gives me something to think about. I've got some other people that I want to talk to. So I'll tell you what, if I really want to pursue this, I'll call you, let's say in a month. And I thought, okay. And he said, well, are you worried that, you know, I might pick someone else? And I said, no, I think I've already knocked your socks off. Mm -hmm. And he just laughed. And he said, you know, 
I love it. He said, you're bold, you're a quick thinker. And so a month later, he called me up and he said, all right, I need to give you notice of the bank because I would like to have you here. And I said, well, what's my role going to be? And he said, I don't know, you know, you come up with the title, you know, whatever you want is fine. And I said, like director of operations, like VP of operations, he goes, that's fine. And I said, wow, haven't even seen my resume. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You need to bring that for the file. He goes, oh, yes, salary range. And I and I gave him the range, you know, of 5,000 less than what this lady was making, 5,000 more. And he goes, oh, I think you're in the right range and start you in the middle. So I basically started at the salary that she was at. That's crazy. And she had, yeah, and she had been there for like 40 years. Wow. You know? So that was just amazing. Had no idea what they did, but I got a quick understanding, you know, state chambers. We had about sure. 3,000 members, but they're really driving advocacy efforts for business, for the state, the economy, making sure it's a business-friendly environment. Sure. And it was the first time I ever worked for a mission-based organization. Everyone else was profit, right? Corporations. Yeah. And these guys just ran missions pretty much. Yeah. And one of the missions that I got a chance to work on was bringing the USS Missouri to Pearl Harbor. Wow. Uh, because they had this audacious idea like, hey, it's in mothballs in Seattle. Nobody wants it. Decommissioned. We have Arizona. It's not going anywhere. And a lot of <laughs> millions of visitors come here every year. But if they could walk on the USS Missouri where the treaty was signed, man, that would be amazing. Yeah. So we talked to our congressman and he went to bat for us, introduced the bill into Congress because it requires Congress approval and release by the U.S. Navy. And then Missouri and Washington wanted it. And it was just this unbelievable fight to get it. But I remember the day where it was brought in by barge to Pearl Harbor because they had to get it seaworthy. We had to raise like a million dollars. It was just insane. But every time I go back home because I'm from Honolulu, I see that sitting in Pearl Harbor and I'm like, gosh, nobody even remembers that we did this. Yeah. But my boss said, yeah, you know what? We don't do things for credit. We do things because it's the right thing to do. I love that. What a uh, nice reminder. I mean, I know it's like a silent victory for you every time you go home because you can see it and sort of nod to yourself like, I did that. I did. I helped that make that happen. But also, I love, Kathy, that you were sort of coaching your future employer on like, this is what my job description will be. <laughs> I love that. I, I mean, that's awesome. I saw this as an opportunity. I also felt like most jobs that I've had because I was in sales and marketing, you know, I was always pigeonholed as being the salesperson and could never move around any place else in the company because when you're really good at what you do, they just want you to stay there, right? And I just found it really difficult in a corporate environment. But he was pretty much just giving me full attitude to design the position that could use my strengths. I also got to work on a, uh, a new program team and the goal was bringing $100,000 of new revenue And so we were able to brainstorm ideas. And I had this great idea. I said, you know, I heard about this entrepreneurship program and the Kauffman Foundation's running out of Kansas City and they're giving grants. And I think we should go after that. So I put together a little plan and he said, sure, but we don't have any money for that. I don't have any start money for you. And a board member gave me points to get a ticket to the conference. And Kauffman gave me a free conference registration and I brought the program back. You know, and we raised a lot of sponsorship dollars. So it was so nice to work in a place where it felt very entrepreneurial, you know, just a place that fostered great ideas. And if it sounded good to run with it. Now, you said how I got into my current role. That's a little bit different because 
I did go off on my own in 2001 as an organizational development consultant. I wanted to stick to training and development and just do leadership and team building training. But I volunteered, I always volunteer. I volunteered for the chamber that I was at in Boulder, Colorado. I was on the board and they had a member retention problem. And so using all my customer segmentation, I just said, well, I think we should put together like a retention analysis and do a study and then write a plan on what we're going to do. And we did that. We did that with 17 volunteers. Wow. And we interviewed 170 members out of 1,700, so 10%. And we did it by segments. And then we wrote a retention plan. And it was presented at the Colorado State Chamber Conference and then the national convention because they thought it was such a great case study. The next thing I know, I had hundreds of uh, member-based organizations coming to me, asking me to help them with retention. And yeah. I was like, oh, no, I don't do that anymore. But yeah. guess what? <laughs> 22 years later. Here you are. Yeah. <laughs> here, here I am. I mean, it, it, it's like it wasn't my idea to go back. I thought I was kind of going in a different direction. But I think once you get that in your blood, it's really hard to leave because you just have a real passion for membership. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, here I am still doing membership. <laughs> that's great. And that's why we wanted to talk to you today. Uh, so now we're going to dive a little deeper into our membership questions. So I'm going to let sure. Katie kick it off. Yeah, sure. I love you talking about the mission-focused organizations and um, how that attracted you to the industry. We've been talking quite a bit about the next generation and how to kind of attract them to these member-based organizations. I feel like there's a real opportunity there with what you're talking about, the mission focus. But you tell me, how do you engage that next generation? Yeah, you know, just this morning, I just downloaded the link and I've been following this study for 12 years. And Deloitte does a millennial Gen Z study every year. And so the 2023 uh, came out, it just came out, actually, it always comes out like in May. And even before COVID, you could see what was important to these generations, right? Mm -hmm. It was DEI, it's right. environmental sustainability. It's about caring about what's going on socially around issues and playing a key role mm -hmm. in helping to address those issues, right? It's not about profit. It's about making a difference, you know, with the communities that you do business in. And then you kind of saw that change in, in COVID. And I think what COVID did was it amplified a lot of those concerns because, you know, when schools closed down and people had to work remotely, you could see where the digital inequity was. Mm. You know, who didn't have access to computers, right? Who couldn't do online learning? Who couldn't do online work, right? The healthcare and who got care and who didn't get care. And you could really see the shift in the 2020 Deloitte survey as millennials and Gen Zs were, were talking about how the divide was getting bigger. They were really concerned about what some of the big issues were with just people they knew, their families, their communities. And they really want to see more emphasis on people making a difference. And this is where, you know, we started to see a lot of the, what they call the great resignation. Yeah. And I tell my clients all the time, it's not the great resignation. It's the great realignment. No, yeah. I like that. That's, that's what this is about. People, and it's not just millennials and Gen Zs, but it's people really asking themselves, what do I value, right? What's worth my time and my yep. money? 
Where do I want to show up? What do I want to stop doing? So it was really just interesting to see that. So I, I really think that when it comes to Gen Zs and Gen Ys, and by the way, they're going to make up 75% of the workforce over wow. the next seven years. Oh my gosh. And millennials are already the majority, yeah. right? Yeah. So so when I kind of think about it, it's really like they want to be more concerned about what are your initiatives, right? What's your work? What's your mission? What are you doing? How do you make a difference? Which is why I think, you know, just thinking about your messaging and what you're all about. And of course, what you like, what, what do they care about? Inclusion, culture means a whole lot to them. So those core values, environmental sustainability, they're, they're worried. They're worried about water, quality of water, quality of air, whether or not there's enough resources for people. The cost of living, because you have to realize too, millennials have huge debt with college. And so, and the cost of living has gone up everywhere, right? So affordability and best places for them to live. And I think we saw a lot of them when they had the option to work remotely, many of them moved away from metro cities um, because they were seeking more of that quality of life. I think the other thing too is, you know, integrate them into communities kind of makes you wonder about young professional groups. Like who's going to be interested in young professional groups when what they want is integration? They don't want to be at the kiddie table. They want to be an active part of committees. They want to be on the board. Yeah. They want to make a difference. And they're used to working in more of a flat way where everybody has a role and they can contribute. So I kind of look at maybe thinking about journeys to lead with uh, millennials and gen z's like they're not they're not comfortable waiting their turn yeah you know until they get older because you think the oldest millennial is turning 42 today wow right and that's a 15 year span for millennials so they are young and they're looking for the opportunities the other thing i also heard when i listened to key stakeholders about engagement i know we're going to talk about engagement next but they were saying, you know, COVID really changed that. We have a hard time, too, mm-hmm. just getting our employees engaged the way that they were. And we have a lot of young people working for us. And they don't want to just show up for seminars and yeah. mixers and speakers who just talk at them, you know. So that's got to change because yeah. this generation engages different. They're interested in different things. And so we're going to have to make some changes. Yeah. And I think that's a good point, Kathy, because even we're seeing it. I had a, an individual who would be classified as a gen a wire and, and reached out to me before joining our organization, TSE, and asked, well, what are your core values? I'd like to know like what you stand for, which I was like, well, that's a great question. No one's, you know, first off, we worked really hard on them. I'm glad someone wanted to know about them. And so I, I was able to talk about them with her about what we stand for and who we are and it was the first time I've ever been asked the question, but it was a great question. I applauded her for asking because yeah. she explained to me that my organization will not pay for my membership. I am paying for this out of pocket and I want to know what my money is supporting. Uh, I want to know what where I'm putting my money behind and if it's something that aligns with my core values, her personal core values. And I just thought, well, that, what a smart young woman, like good for you, you know? And we're seeing that too in, in that space when, when we have young individuals join. They The first question we get, like, how do I get on the board? That's like the first week of of membership. They're like, what do I need to get on the board? It's like, wow, okay. And so we have this conversation about leadership journey, like you talked about, but we're seeing that more and more. And I love it. I love that they're hungry. I love that they want to shape 
how the organization is and, and the role we play in, in the space. And it's just different. It's just different than it's ever been before. And like you said, we're, we're also used to waiting our turn, right? Like right. first you need to be on a committee and then first or a member, then you need to chair a committee. Then you need, then you can apply for the board. But I love shaking it up a bit because I, I thought, wow. and so, yeah, and that's just kind of how it has to be. Yeah, I think Gen X is, has definitely waited their turn. Uh, but you're gonna, yeah, but you're gonna find the millennials and Gen Zs are not like that. Yeah, um, they want action. They want to be part of the action. They want to be seen. Maybe not as an equal, but you know, as someone who has a seat at the, at the table. Right. And you know, I think just because I come from that world of advocacy, but they don't want to see us just advocate for business. They sure. want to see us advocate for issues. Well, places that make a difference and maybe even being a voice for people who don't have a voice. So that's really important. To, and that's why, like, when you watch a Subaru ad today, yes. they don't talk about the car. No, they don't. You're right. <laughs> yeah. They're about the causes they support. They talk about the causes that they support and how much money. So when you buy a car from Subaru, we give, you know, certain a percentage to these causes. Like, they're one of the... I think they're the largest supporter of, is it ASDPA, right? Yeah. yeah. And Meals on Wheels. And, yeah. you know, it's just amazing. Uh, the forestry and they, they care very much about open space. So it's very clever, I think, how businesses yeah. are starting to realize if you want to reach this audience, you you have to talk about what you care about. And there needs right. to be a sense of alignment for them. I think yeah. that's really important. So essentially, yeah. we have to change our messaging, right? It's not so much like, Hey, buy a membership because you're supposed to. It's about telling your story almost every time you reach out and, and talking about your passions and your kind of like you said, Super is a great example because I mean, you know, I see their commercials on television all the time, and you're right, they rarely talk about their car. They're they have like a dog family driving in a Subaru, then they flash the ASCPA logo on around, yeah. and that gets my attention probably more than like hearing what kind of four, four wheel horse drive there is in this car. But I see like, oh, there's a cute family of dogs driving this car. And then hearing <laughs> yeah. more about like, oh, they, they give a lot to the ASCPA. So as an animal lover, that's important to me. Uh, right. It's just different. I, I kind of love the approach a little bit. I love that we're getting a chance to shake it up because I feel like sometimes membership, I feel, is a hard one to sort of do a variety of marketing with because people always seem to try and do rinse, wash, repeat every year, right? Like renew, right. did you join last year? So I think it's kind of exciting that the membership area gets to stretch its marketing legs a little bit, uh, yeah, just to be a little different. I think and that so too. Typically, on you know the benefits and and things like that, as opposed to what you're talking about, like what do you stand for? Right. You know, I think what they're looking for are organizations that are transformational. They want to work for a transformational company. They want to buy from a transformational company. So, what kind of community do they want to belong to? And by the way. Community is important to them. Yeah. So for us to really talk about community, friendship, I belong here. Like my son, he's a millennial and he wanted me to go to this this church, right? And I was like, uh, and he goes, no, come on, mom. And I learned that 70% of who goes to that church are millennials. Wow. I thought it was really impressive. And then- but what I noticed is that they have a shared leadership model. It's not always like the head pastor talking. They have young people up there leading things, talking, yeah. driving groups. And and so I asked him, I said, what is it that you like most about coming here? And he said, I feel welcomed and I feel like I belong. Wow. That's, that's yeah, awesome. that, I even did a blog about it, you know, for associations because I was just sure. saying, you know what? We could learn from, yeah. from what he's talking about because 
that's really what they're looking for. They're looking yeah. for a place where they feel welcome, they belong, and they see themselves in the leadership of the organization. And that makes, and they also do a lot of cause-based things like a food pantry and volunteer efforts. Right. And they have like 3,000 millennials going wow. there. It, it's pretty phenomenal. But when you think about it, they understand who that next audience is and they're finding a way to engage them. Let's take a quick break for a word from our episode sponsor, Visit College Station. Howdy. Nestled in the center of the Texas Triangle, College Station is a vibrant city. Whether you're a sports enthusiast looking to experience the roar of the crowd at Kyle Field, a history buff eager to tour the George H.W. Bush Presidential Library Museum, or a lover of the arts hoping to catch a Broadway show, College Station has something for you. And when it comes to food and entertainment, this city truly delivers. From savoring the rich and diverse local cuisine to dancing the night away in the lively Northgate District, so why wait? Take your next trip to College Station and discover for yourself all the wonders that await in the heart of Aggieland. It leads into the next question, Kathy. You kind of already started talking about it, but I, I do want to ask the question. You, you get to see all sorts of different clients, their approaches to membership and, and marketing membership and engagement membership. So what are some of the more interesting marketing and engagement strategies you've seen recently? You know, I think over the last few years, this idea about focusing on member personas you know, recognizing that all your members are not the same. Yeah. You have certain groups of members and mm -hmm. you can profile them yeah. in a way where you understand what their challenges are, what motivates them, what type of engagement appeals to them. And you sort of create a face, right, for that segment of members. That takes some work, but at the same time, it's really not that hard to do, especially if you engage those members who represent those groups, because they can help you create those personas very easily. And we use a face, but it, it usually it's a stock photo because we don't sure. necessarily want it to be an actual member. Right. But it should it symbolize like if there's if there really is like a Gen Z or a millennial, somebody who's early in their career, or someone who, you know, is kind of looking at this is sort of the end of their life cycle, right? Well, you need to have a face of that person too. Because then you realize you're talking to people mm -hmm. and you can put yourselves in their shoes and member personas are very empathy based. You know, it's like saying, what's it like to be you, right? Mm -hmm. So what are you going through? What are your big challenges? What are you looking for? And then being able to speak to that. You can do recruiting campaigns around personas. You can also do engagement campaigns and retention so you can't just make it one size fits all. I mean, yes, we talk about journey maps, but the reality is we have different personas who are on a different journey. So somebody who's going to retire in the next five to seven years is in a different place in a journey, right? And sometimes those people check out of associations because, you know, you're not offering anything like they can't learn anything else. They kind of feel like I've been there, I've done that, but they're in a position to mentor. They're yeah. in a position as a legacy member to give back. And that would excite them, you know? So we just have to realize that they're different. And if we understand that, we can certainly cater to that. That's where targeted messages. And I know like at our luncheon on Monday, it was interesting because there were a few people talking about automated marketing, drip campaigns, and, and that was so exciting to hear. 
because we have that capability now, although not everybody feels comfortable in that space. Right. But I think showing some best practices around that because, yes, you can do automated campaigns around onboarding, engaging, understanding what people's interests and needs are, and really using software that tracks behavioral analytics like HubSpot. HubSpot works really nicely with a lot of AMSs. But what it does is it monitors behavior, right? So you click on this link, you clicked on a link like this five times, and it's like, you know, this person's really interested in that. We yeah. should target them more with things about leadership or advocacy or whatever it might be. And automated emails that have that behavioral analytics can do that. So I think that does a number of great things, I think, to save us time to understand the audience, but also to be able to serve the audience. I think that's important. HubSpot can also, you know, monitor engagement. Hey, you know, this person hasn't logged in in oh, yeah. 90 days. And it can actually ping them and say, you know, it's been a while. You know, we have some how you doing? <laughs> Yeah, how are you doing? You'll also show them what's going on in their committees, or it may even present engagement opportunities in front of them based on, you know, like, it's almost like Amazon saying, sure. you know, you like this. So how about that, right? So I think that's important. Tracking engagement, especially those that um, haven't been engaged for a while or whose engagement level has dropped, and then be able to reach out to them. To me, I think marketing engagement go hand in hand because sure. if you're marketing, who are you marketing to? Are they interested? Are they behaving? You know, are they yeah. are they yeah. doing what you want them to do? And are are you monitoring that so that yeah. you actually increase engagement if you're paying attention? Well, and that's interesting too, because I feel like um, we we live in this sort of Amazon society now, right? We're also used to being on our phones, buying things with a click or engaging very quickly. And and I think despite, even though in, inside our industry, we know like it's hard to compete with that kind of level of tech and funding behind that tech, there is a level of expectation, I think, on the customer side, whether it be a member or, or vendor or whatever, that they still have that experience with us as an association, right? So uh, we can't do everything Amazon does, but maybe we can mirror a few things they do to make it seem like part of that society. Uh, yeah. I think what you've talked about, like the HubSpot and the opportunity to just just tracking engagement, like seeing who's in danger of, of becoming a checkbook member, and which are you know, and and some people just like being a checkbook member, and that's sure. fine. But like sure. maybe there's a way we can engage those checkbook members a little more, like you know, like uh, dribbling breadcrumbs to get them even more engaged. But right. Or, or the, the worry of someone who is a checker member who will lapse because they didn't feel they got anything out of the membership, right? right. Uh, and, and we always try to tell, and everyone does, right? The story of you get out what you put in. So if you really get engaged with us, then you have a really great experience. If you sit in the, in the, on the sidelines, you may not have the best experience. But I think there's ways to sort of appeal to those sideline folks to get them in the game a little more. And I, I love that you talked yeah. about it because I think it's a hard discussion because one of the things that, as you know, association budgets are so tight. So when we talk to tech, we're talking about tech, we're like, oh, don't spend that money. But when you think about it, we kind of have to. Um, if we're going to continue to compete with the for-profit groups that are doing things like we're doing now, uh, right. we kind of have to seamlessly fit into that Amazon-type society and uh, right. we might do everything. We might have to do little pieces. And, and that yeah. sometimes that's enough for people to be happy with you. I also think that HubSpot and other similar programs are probably going to start integrating AI and it's going to be able to synthesize the data from your members and almost know how to interact with them, might even be good at helping us sort of predict yeah. engagement or retention. So that would be really impressive. And, you know, instead of having to 
buy something separate, I'd like to see the AMSs really focus more on creating systems like that within the AMS. My gosh. That, because to me, it all has to be all has to be seamless with the database. We need right. that information to stay with the customer. Absolutely. So we don't have to shop for something else to layer on top of it. It'd just be great. Yeah. Uh, and when I talk to AMSs, they always say, well, we focus on what they want. So if only one you know, association says they want that, we don't pay attention. You know, if 100 ask us about that, then we're more likely to do that. So I always tell my clients, I go, well, you know what? You just need to tell them, you know, yeah. we want to see more of this capability because an investment there, whether it's ten dollars or $20,000, I think is still valuable because you can't hire one person who can do all this, right? Right, absolutely. But investing yeah. in that technology could go a long way. The other thing I just wanted to point on in terms of engagement strategies, because TSAE does a great job of this, is the experiential opportunities like you do during your conferences. Yeah. I think that's really powerful. I think that people are looking for something that they can't have otherwise, right? So just that ability to participate in an excursion, do something with other people, experience yeah. something they wouldn't normally do yeah. is very, very powerful, you know, because yeah. you couldn't get that on a Zoom meeting. Right. You had to be there, right? Yeah. And and then we we saw a success for that recently. We had a happy hour. We had we did like a craft, uh, you know, a DIY craft while you're enjoying some, some cordials from the bar and people loved it. People, uh, you know, even people were like, I'm not a crafty person, but and then we had one individual who attended said, like, this really helps introverts. Like, yeah, I I didn't have to weasel my way into a circle of people who already knew each other at a tall boy. I was building this craft alongside other people building crafts. So we were talking while we were painting, picking colors, et cetera. And we were kind of shocked how successful it was. And everyone left having a really good time. Even the people who moaned and groaned coming in going, I'm not a good craft person. I don't know if this is going to turn out very well. But yes. they left with a big smile on their face. And they're like, this was fantastic. Exactly, exactly. And that's what I think you guys have done really well. It's just sort of picking up on those unique experiences. I think that's what gets people coming back. Kathy, I love all these wonderful suggestions and um, great ideas. So how would you say that a group determines the value of their membership? Well, I, I always think that value is seen differently based on the motivation to engage, right? And I've kind of whittled it down to say, I think there's four core motivations to engage with the organization. For the millennials and Gen Zs, they want to advance my career, right? That's really important to them because they're embarking on their career. They're looking for those opportunities to figure out where they want to go, who they want to work for. They want to talk to other peers. They want an opportunity to talk to future employers because it's a good way to kind of find out about them, right? And see whether or not this is a place that you want to work. But we also, I think you're going to see a lot of millennials and Gen Zs in this space too, but even with the legacy members, right? They want to influence the future. They want to influence the future of their industry, you know, the future of the economy or just the future of communities in general. And whether it's just being in discussions and being informed about those things, but but also elevate our brand. I think about all of our associate or affiliate members, whatever you want to call them, but those are usually people who who sponsor, right? But who are looking for opportunities to engage with your core audience. But for them, you know, they're looking for the opportunity to elevate their brand with the organization. They want to get in front of that target market. They want to be seen as a good organization to do business with. And we all know that it's about relationships, right? So we want to elevate our brand, but we also don't want to come across being, you know, too pitchy and right. want to have the opportunity to develop relationships and 
And so they're looking for those opportunities. And then you may have some, depending on your uh, who you serve, that are interested in growing their business or kind of, you know, growing what it is that they're working on. And they're looking for peers and experts and resources and opportunities to help them do that. So again, I think it kind of goes back to the personas. So could you create a general value proposition? Yes, you could, especially where you know it's going to hit across the different segments and it's going to resonate with them. But I think it's also important to think about unique value propositions for segments and to be able to tell the story about why this is a place for you. It's a strange thing, but I remember working with the veterinarian medical society executives, and we were doing this exercise around value propositions around segments. And they picked a segment of female veterinarians, and they said that they actually have a little higher risk of suicide with this group because because they just tend to have a lot more, I hate to say women, empathy when they lose a family pet Mm -hmm. and they take it really hard. And so their messaging was around, you don't need to do this alone. You know, we're going to do this together. Wow. And we're here to support each other. And they have like a monthly call-in program and a mentorship program for women who are, you know, fairly new into the veterinarian space. And I thought that was so cool how they could just zero in on this particular segment. But the value proposition that they pulled out would resonate with a group of people who felt like this is, I don't know what I'm doing. This is, I'm afraid of making a mistake. And really knowing that there was a whole group of people that are are there to support you and make sure you succeed. That's so powerful uh, that a group recognized that, that this segment needed help and not help like in their job, but help like in their mental health. And they took a step to address it. I, I, that's fantastic. Yeah. So, so that's why I think a lot of times we're looking for the general value proposition Yes, that's that's the ultimate goal. But sometimes when you're marketing to a particular group, you need to have something that you know about them. And when you when you're talking, they know you're talking to them. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, I also love the point you brought up, Kathy, is uh, and we're seeing it too, having your story ready to go. Right. Because I feel since COVID, we've had a number of people who and I get it decided you know, post-COVID, like, I'm done. I'm retiring. Thanks. It's been fun. That was a lot the last couple of years. I, I, uh, sayonara, have a great life. I'm going to go enjoy my retirement. And those people who were very loyal to us have been members for 25 plus years are now being replaced by someone brand new to the space, right? And so now they're asking us, well, instead of a, a an automatic sale where we knew Cindy was going to renew always because she's been a member for 22 years, we don't have to explain to Cindy why she's been a member too. Now we're talking to Janet. And Janet's like, I don't know who you are. Am I off that I should learn about you? Who are you and why should I care? And so we're having to tell our story much, much more than we ever have in the past, which takes a lot of time and energy. And like you said, we want to craft it to meet that individual's needs. We're not trying to like, here's our generic line of who we are. We want to, we're trying to really zero in on like what we can help you, the individual with. And I think that is something that some groups haven't grasped. They need to switch to post-COVID because, I mean, we're all trying to get through the day, right? Every day we're just trying to get to the end of the day and hopes (laughs) that tomorrow comes. But like, there are times when we sort of step back and like, wow, I'm I'm noticing I'm on the phone a lot more trying to get the story than I ever have before in the past. And that's trying to train all of us to do um, as a a staff member. So it's not just the membership person talking about the story. It's no. marketing. It's Katie. It's 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 our sponsorship person. It's everyone's telling our story all the time. 
Right. And at the same time, it's being customer centric, right? right. Number centric. And, and that to me, I think is kind of what I learned in my early career as I tried to explain to some association people, like, like when I worked for Dean Foods, I worked in the dairy division. Okay. And I said, we would study the buying data from the stores that we wanted to put our products in. Like, what did they buy, right? What do we know about them in terms of demographics, but also just watching what they buy. And then we would actually curate a special offering in every store catered to who shopped at that store. So rural stores, they buy whole milk. They don't like a lot of yogurt and they don't like fat-free or skim milk because they don't think it's real milk. Yeah. But then when you go to an urban store, you know, they want to see multiple flavors of yogurt and fat-free, skim-free, 1%, not so much whole milk. Right. So the idea about know the customer and create the environment for the customer, and if you have multiple customers, be willing to shift the conversation so that it always feels like you have the customer's best interest. And that's something I think we've had to learn in the association space is it's not a one-size-fits-all. Pay attention. Yes, you can tell your story, but ask questions and then based on what matters to them, be willing to go there. Yeah, I love that, Kathy. I knew this would happen. I would love to spend an entire another hour with you because uh, I feel like everything you say is good. And I, I already have notes of my own for what we're going to do moving forward. I knew this would happen with you. And one of the reasons we want to invite you on, it's like, she's going to fill the hour so quickly. And that that's what's going to be great. <laughs> but I am going to ask you the, our last question we always ask all of our guests. So why are you involved with TSC and what keeps you coming back to us? It's a good point. And I'll tell you that I moved here to Austin in 2013 to be close to my son and his soon-to-be first child. And I did one of the SAE webinars. Yep. And I think Wendy from GSAE had invited yep. me. Georgia, and yep. Aaron, yeah, and Aaron was on the webinar and immediately he reached out to me and he said, you're in Austin. He said, well, we should meet, you know, <laughs> coffee. Now, you have to know, and I know you can't believe that because I can talk like crazy when I'm <laughs> in an intimate situation, but I'm socially shy. Okay. So I probably would not have reached out to Aaron. Yeah. He reached out to me and we had coffee. And so that to me was kind of an early indication that maybe it's just Aaron, but sure, I, sure. I found right. with TSAE. Yeah is that it is more of the culture, right? It's a welcoming community. Everything I've gone to, I felt very welcome. People come up and talk to me, or if I sit at a group, you know, they say, hi, you know, I'm so-and-so. And I'll tell you that that doesn't happen everywhere you go. Yeah. Sometimes people just are very cliquish, or if they don't know yeah. you, they, they don't talk to you either. The other thing I like about TSAE is you're not afraid to change things up. I just yeah. feel like Every year, there always seems to be something new, something different, like how you guys are going to be combining two events into one. I think that makes a lot of sense because we all have time fatigue and you could do a track and not necessarily a separate event, but you're not afraid. You're not afraid to, you know, try, like you said, like a different kind of happy hour. I like that because I'm attracted to people and organizations that are open to change and continuous improvement. And so I saw that with TSAE. The other thing I like is that there are so many opportunities to engage. You know, sometimes it's virtual, sometimes it's a happy hour, sometimes it's a lunch and learn or a peer-to-peer. -peer. I feel like I can leverage my strengths and you give me lots of opportunities to give back. And that's really important to me because I have a servant leadership as a core. I love giving back. And so when, you know, you like when Aaron tapped me, he goes, hey, 
you want to help do membership 101? How about doing the part on membership? I'm like, yeah, cool. Go, so, hey, you know, do you want to be on a membership committee? I love that. <laughs> I, I love that because I like being involved and I may not do those things on my own, but when I'm asked, and I think that's the same for most members, if yeah. you ask, most people are going to say yes. And I just really feel like you have that type of culture where you reach out and you make everybody feel important and special and you give us lots of opportunities to engage. So I like that. That's so nice. Thank you for those kind words. Yeah. Thank oh, you so much, Kathy. And Kathy, you're an absolute rock star and we have enjoyed our time with you. And I have such a pleasure, Kathy. A zillion more questions for you, but I don't have the time <laughs> to ask them. So we'll have to have the part two, Kathy Hype, part two later on. You do that. I have so many other things I want to talk to you about. Thank you for your time today, Kathy. Thank you for letting us your expertise. We adore you and we're just so thrilled you agreed to speak with us today. So thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for asking. I, you know, you know me, I'm going to say yes. So I really appreciate it. And I appreciate all that you do. Thank you thank so much. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you again to Kathy Height for joining us today. If you love Kathy as much as we do and want more of her, you are in luck. She will be joining us all in Fort Worth this year as a speaker for the New Ideas Annual Conference. I'm really looking forward to that. And join us each month as we have more conversations with members from the association community. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And if you'd like more information about the Texas Society of Association Executives, be sure to visit us online at tsae.org. And on behalf of TSAE and Katie, I am Steven Stout. See you next time. Bye.